All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. So do us a favor, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell, and of course, upvote the video itself and participate in the conversation by commenting down below. I'm here with Pratt Rogers, um, here for his weekly segment on Ole Miss football. And we're going to say Ole Miss football now because we're kind of going to go down memory lane and figure out who is top players in history are his top moments in history. And we're going to talk to him a little bit at the end about baseball because that's something he wasn't expecting. And I just kind of surprised on him. Surprised. Him with him. How you doing? Pry? Throwing me a, a, a pun, like a, a curveball already. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I fi- figured we could do that um, at this point. Yeah. Well, good. All is good here. What's been going on with y'all. It sounds like y'all are staying busy. Yeah, we're staying pretty busy. This week I've got interviews with John Garcia and Jason Jordan about recruiting and basketball and football. I've got an interview with um that I've got to set up with Bill Flowers talking about football. I've got um Man, is he some, knowledgeable in what? Yeah, he, he's great. He he's the best. He 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 spent all week saying this offense has a problem or all year going through the first half and everybody got mad about him saying the, this offense is a problem. Yeah. And then at the end of the season, he, I, I'm just going to bring him on and let him take a victory lap, honestly, oh, he because he deserves it. Yeah. Um, and I've got um, somebody that wants to come on and talk about women's basketball and kind of be cool. the you for women's basketball. And um, Tim Thomas is going to talk men's basketball. I've got a busy week of interviews this week. I mean, I probably have eight or nine people to interview. And that's not even including Derek and Kara. And Kara's going to come back this week. So it's going to be crazy. Man, well, good. I appreciate you squeezing me in. It sounds like y'all are uh, rocking and rolling. Yeah, it's hit that off-season time. We're going to do a lot of guests. We're going to do a lot of different stuff. That's just the way the channel goes. During football season, we're football. We're all about it all the time. But whenever you get to other stuff in the later part of the year, in January, February, and March, you have time to do a little bit of tinkering, I think. Well, no, I agree. And Stephen, honestly, the, the way the portal is now, football is really almost 365 days now, except for really the gap we're in, you know, this two week gap. Coaches have kind of started going on um, uh, uh, vacation, stuff like that. Not as many recruiting visits right now. I feel like it's almost like a small kind of dead period where Kiffin and Co can sit back and catch their breath a little bit, I feel like. Yeah, that's kind of the way it is. And, you know, with the Locked On Ole Miss podcast, the actual main podcast, there's going to be a football segment in every show. I mean, that's wow. part of part of our our deal is we're going to cover football year round, whether other people want to or not. It just doesn't matter. Um, but you're right. Yeah, you're, you're right. Um, Kiffin and everybody taking a little bit of break, a little bit of a recharge because – they're going to hit these 2024s, and we're talking about them on tomorrow's show, uh, very, very hard. Um, and they need to recharge. They need to do what they need to do. But February 15th or 16th is kind of full speed ahead on recruiting and starting to plan for spring practice, which at that point is like a month away. No doubt. And as we've talked about in the past, the 2024 um... 2024 class being so loaded as it is, I'm kind of glad to hear they'll be hitting the ground running early, we hope. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, since we're going to reminisce a little bit on today's show, let's start off with like the top players that you remember in your lifetime. Who are the top players that Pratt Rogers have seen in his lifetime? 
Well, Stephen, it was a super loaded assignment, I will say. I uh, thank you for putting me on the spot, but mm-hmm. I, I, I put together kind of a down and dirty list of uh, group uh, individuals that I thought just over the last 29 years of my life really epitomized the Ole Miss uniform. Um, unfortunately, when putting this list together, I quickly realized I had a very offensive bias. Uh, Wait, back up. Of- 29, you were born in the 90s? I was born in 93, yeah. Oh, my God. I was playing my senior year of high school football in 93. Man, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was born in 93. I'm 29. But, yeah, anyway, that's where I was going with this. I quickly realized that I don't know if it's just lack of defensive players over uh, almost a three-decade span or – my affinity for offensive players, but uh, there was was not a lot of uh, defensive momentum on this list, to say the least. Well, this is your list. You can do whatever you want to do. What is Pratt Rogers' list of top players that come to mind over the past 29 years? Well, a personal favorite player ever was, I just got to go A.J. Brown. He may not have been the most impactful or the biggest player in Ole Miss history or anything like that, but the way he carried himself, coming out of Starkville, so much swag. I mean, and he was just a baller. I, I, I am shocked there's not a statue for A.J. Brown on campus already. Um, but I think he's got to be my all-time favorite player. Probably kind of a wild card player on my top ten list, I'd say, that most people may not put in there is Mike Espy. And I, like Mike, I liked Mike Espy a lot. And it was – he – Dad and I used to always make a running joke. He would never call fair catch. I mean, he just had stones. He was he was like an awesome kick returner, and almost never has a great kick or punt returner. And anyway, he on special teams, he just I, I loved his enthusiasm. You know, he was uh, very courageous. I'll put it that way. Uh, very few fair catches in his uh, in his almost career, but obviously you've got the greats like. Treadwell, Chad Kelly, Matt Corral in recent bias, obviously. You got to throw Eli Manning in there, uh, no doubter. Um, but, you know, maybe somebody like uh, – I was young, I was, uh, but Deuce McAllister's got to be up there for a lot of people. Steven, you could probably you, you echo on You feel very old. <laughs> Sorry. You could probably echo on Deuce a little bit more than I could. Yeah, Deuce is actually, believe it or not, he's a little bit younger than me, but um, he is the running back before Quinshawn that was the pure SEC level running back. Ole Miss has never really had that guy. They had Ben Jarvis and Dexter and some good players, but the big SEC-style running back, Deuce McAllister, was really the first one that happened in my lifetime. And I remember guys like Willie Goodlow, even like Buford McGee was a little bit before my time, but... Whenever you look at the running back position up until Quinshawn, Deuce McAllister is the other guy that stands out. No doubt. I would 100% agree with that. And I think he automatically cracks the list just based off of um, scarcity at the running back position over a three-decade run. Um, almost just hadn't really had that that dude, you know, at running back. And uh, recently, other uh, up until Quinshawn. So, yeah, super – Super exciting list of guys I put together that I thought uh, would be a really cool fit and really epitomize what Ole Miss stands for. 
Okay. Um, anybody else on that list? Uh, you mentioned Dexter McCluster. I'd add yeah. him on there. He'd be in yeah. there. Uh, anybody I'm missing in your lifetime that you'd tack on? I would put Patrick Willis on the list. Patrick Willis was on there. I, forgot, I didn't forget. <laughs> He's a defensive player. I, I can't forget yeah. Patrick. Yeah, you, you know, you know, as a for as a current Willis, you know, Patrick. I have to look out for P. Willie. Um, no all doubt. Things. No doubt. And he yeah. he was at Ole Miss when I was there, so we were actually in the building at the same time. Um, really interesting. I I got to see a conversation. This is a behind the scenes thing that P. Willie would absolutely attest to. But before Ole Miss played LSU with that um, infamous hit to where he lifted the running back off the oh, ground. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Bef- before that game, him and Sean Slocum, the linebackers coach, was almost arguing to where P. Willie said, you know, you can't really do a form tackle. A form tackle can't be really uh, successful because the running back has the advantage at all times in that. And so you're going to go back. So – and then he has that, and he Meaning lifts him up in a perfect right? form tackle, and just completely disproves his argument. It was, it was pretty was good. That, say, that, go yeah, ahead. that did happen. Yeah, that av- absolutely did happen. Yeah, typically you would think the running back's momentum is taking you forward, mm-hmm. is what P. Willie was arguing. Yeah, yeah, it, and it, you don't have enough force going forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that one he just know. picked. Pick Justin Vincent up, and it's like the funny thing is Justin Vincent got the first. It was a fourth and one, but he got the first down on that play. Everybody, remember remember, that, yeah, it was a fourth and one. Justin Vincent did get the first down, but everybody remembers I that tackle. Fourth and yeah. one, but I did not remember him getting yeah. the first down. He got the first down. Wow, that's classic Ole Miss football fashion, then you know. Okay, let's let's turn the page a little bit. In the sure. 29 years of Pratt Rogers' life. Good grief, I'm old. So, we're going to move on to top moments. What are your top moments that stand out in Ole Miss history? I mean, I think everybody, even if it's a 50-year run, I don't care. It's got to be beating Bama twice. It's got to be up there for you, no matter what. If you're putting together a list of top seven, those are pro- top seven moments or so. Those are probably one and two. I mean, I you got to imagine those are one and two for everybody. Um, probably winning at home uh, was probably number one for me, just being at that game, you know, watching the, goal post, watching the goalpost come down. I mean, being on the field, all that was just pretty surreal. Um, so that would be number one for me. Probably number two would be at Bama. Um, I put number three kind of a um, – an interesting one. I put beating Florida with Tebow. Um, and really, that was a, such a great game, obviously. Mm-hmm. But really what stood out to me in that game was the speech that Tebow gave after the game that everybody remembers that I will, you will never find somebody who works harder than me. I will go leave the scene, you know, all that. And uh, that just went so viral that it's hard to not add that in your list. Um you know, uh, up there for me, too, is beating State 45-0. to zero. I mean, that's probably just a petty yeah. petty uh, mention for me in the 2008 Egg Bowl. But I genuinely felt bad for Tyson Lee in that game. And Wesley yeah, Carroll, no, no, those no, quarterbacks. That that. Just literally the quarterbacks didn't have a chance for State that day. Yeah, 
I, I, I actually, you've got a great memory. I remember discussing that exact same thing that day. And like, guys, I mean, somebody's got to call this game or get him out of there. That was yeah. kind of a blood. Yeah, it's almost like Rocky Four when the trainer was like, throw in the damn towel. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The Apollo. So that's, that's what that yeah. reminded me of. Throw in the towel. Yeah, no doubt. Um, mm. Got to be up there beating LSU with Ritter with uh, with uh, Andrew Ritter hit that 2013. Yeah, 2013. Think it was a 41 yard field goal. Um, that was a lot of people awesome. don't might not remember, but we had six or seven players out that day. We were playing um, with yep. bare bones and was able to win that game. And most of them were, if I remember correctly, I think like five were defensive starters or something mm-hmm. like that, Steve. And I can't yeah, remember that, the exact details. That but. was the game where Chief Brown like um, got an interception or something in the end zone. He yeah. actually had a big play at a free safety. Yeah. Yeah, I like Chief a lot. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember. I remember him. Uh, he's a Jackson, Mississippi guy, if I remember correctly, too. Um, also, rounding out the list, you got to think um, the Sugar Bowl beating Oklahoma State. Uh, I think that was what twenty sixteen. There's the twenty sixteen Sugar Bowl, twenty fifteen season, and and yeah. to me that would be number one just because of what it mean, meant. I thought the play of the game on that one was the kind of uh, when Chad Kelly rolls right and kind of throws that toss or that uh, I guess you even call it a screen back to Tunzel. And Tunzel mm-hmm. trots into the end zone. One of the yeah. most legendary calls by David Kellum. I, I distinctly remember he said, and the big man runs into the end zone. It's Laramie Tunzel, you know. And that sealed the game. It was over at that point. Uh, but that was just. For me in that work. game, Jordan Wil- so Wilkin. For me in that game, Jordan Wilkins had like a 40-yard touchdown run that kind of just put it away. It's over, garbage time. Yeah. Um, that that kind of was the play because Jordan Wilkins was kind of big boying Oklahoma State on that run. Um, so yeah. I, I, I really like that. Yeah, Jordan Wilkins, he's he great too. Uh, so yeah, that and finally probably my last one on my top seven or so would be the 2014 Egg Bowl. State came in ten and one. Um, I think they were like the number four team in the nation, and we obviously came out with the W in that one and uh that we probably never would have heard the end of that if uh state had been 11 and one at that point you know it, it, that was probably a more sigh of relief uh than, than actual joyousness at oxford you know it was their chance to actually go to a sugar bowl because i don't think if they'd have won that game they'd have made the playoff but they would have been the highest ranking sec team not in the playoffs which meant they would go to new orleans that would have been their first Sugar Bowl. So on top of everything else, the meaning and all that, it was an absolutely massive choke jog by the Mississippi State Bulldogs just because of that region. I just remember Jalen Walton um, and his 92-yard touchdown run. Unbelievable. And um, Cody Core like, jogging beside him. Jalen Walton's running as fast as he can. Core's just, like, jogging down the field, escorting him to the end zone. I'll never forget that. I had a uh, management class with Jalen Walton in uh, college, and I remember, I, I guess it was like after the holidays, we all came back to class, and everybody just gave him a big hug in class. And it's like, dude, you're the man. Way to go. You know, way to put the team on your back. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, a, real quick, we're going to need to change the yeah. subject real quick and get before we get out of here. Uh, baseball season starts in about a week and a half. 
And what are you looking forward to for this team that is going to defend their national championship? You can say defending national champions for about the next four months. So we're going to say that for the next four months. And what's going on? Yeah, on repeat. What are you looking forward to in this baseball season? I would be, I think, really, I'll be interested to see who steps up as a leader. I mean, you got guys like Elko gone, uh, who's played, who had played a lot of baseball. And I think who can step up? I think there's a lot of depth on this team, uh, maybe a little concern on pitching, but um, really, who can step up and say, hey, look, I'm, I've seen a lot of at-bats. I've been a part of this team for a long time. Who can step up and be a leader for the team uh, and kind of replace that Elko role? Because I think our I think the at-bats will be there. The hits will be there for these guys. We've got a great baseball team, but I'm probably looking at it more from a chemistry perspective of who can step up and really replace uh, all the intangibles that a guy like Elko was. Um, and I have no idea who that is right now. You may have a better idea than I do, Stephen, but um, – I think that's an important part of a championship team is kind of mental toughness and leadership. Yeah, there's some transfers that they brought in. I don't know if his names are absolutely correct. So if I get them wrong, nobody bury me for it. But I think his name's Anthony Calarco. He's a transfer from Northwestern. Ethan Groff or Graff um, in center field. And those two mm-hmm. positions, that is probably the person they're trying to recreate a little bit of what Kevin Graham did, actually. And then in center field, Graf or Grav, I can't, I'm sorry if I pronounced his last name wrong. Um, that's the Justin Bench person. The Elko thing, I think, is going to be like a Kemp Alderman or a, even a Taiwan yeah. Malone. That's where that is probably going to be. It'll be real interesting to see, but it's got to the point where Malone is on the top five list of exit velocities every inter-squad game. So I'm really interested to see what he can do because he's also, this is something, this is a big year for him because he has a chance to have a decent role on the baseball team, but he's also in line to take one of those five technique spots on the defensive line for the Rebs. So I imagine he's going to do some spring practice and they're, they're going to be doing some dancing in March um, and April. I know. Uh, you almost feel bad for the guy for being such a great athlete that he has to choose where, where he wants to spend his time. Uh, I would love to see him ball out on the football field this year. and But uh, the way he's been hitting the ball recently with that three home run game, it would be almost impossible to take his bat out of the lineup. So I'd be interested to see what happens with him. But I agree, definitely can hopefully take a big leadership step this year. Exactly. Anyway, thanks again for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast. It's a podcast that could be quite relevant to Ole Miss fans in about 90 days or or 30 days or 60 days or somewhere in there. It's called Locked On College Basketball. It's got everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, you can hear from big-name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. So if there's a coaching search happening, This is probably going to be a place to turn. So it's Locked On College Basketball. It's available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Anyway, Pratt, thank you so much for stopping by today. Um, You're basically going to be standalone. I've got so many interviews that I'm going to have to pitch them out again like last week. Uh, So we'll see how that goes. But thank you a lot, man, for coming by here today. Yeah, kind of you to have me, man. In lane we trust. Hotty toddy. Hotty toddy, bud. Thanks.